Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm your host, Jeff Beecham, and throughout the series, we'll be looking at some challenges and opportunities facing UK manufacturing in 2022. In our fortnightly episodes, I'm hosting a range of guests from service businesses, support organisations. We're going to be providing subject matter expertise and guidance on a diverse range of topics affecting UK manufacturing. Today, we're going to be looking at one of my favourite areas within mechanical engineering, metal forming. So I'm delighted to welcome my special guest, Stephen Morley, President at the Confederation of British Metal Forming. Welcome, Stephen. How are you? Hi, Jeff. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for the invite. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So um, we were just sort of catching up uh, before we came on air and the Midlands region and Birmingham, where, where I live, uh, you know, is, is known as the hub of, of UK manufacturing. It's got an amazing heritage within what many people in the industry fondly describe as metal bashing. Uh, so I, I think the process is like, you know, press work, stamping, folding, forging, bending, fabricating, cold rolling, metal spinning, things like that. Is that a fairly accurate description that, of, of, of metal forming? Yeah, cold forging is one you probably missed, but that's it's part of the forging family, if you like. It's funny when you mention, mention metal bashing. If you go outside the Midlands, I think you have some kind of... Um, <laughs> From the dark ages, when you mentioned metal bashing, yes, funny, you get looks, get very funny looks. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you hear that, that phrase again, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me a bit about yourself, even and what your role is at the at the CBM. So, I've been an engineer all my life. I started off as, as a tool maker. Um, I actually went to uh, work the first day. I think I was going to be making hammers, and because uh, that's my uh, understanding of a tool in days, but he was actually making press tools that made metal components. Yeah. So I started at a very early age learning my trade. Um, and from there, I, I moved into operations. I became an operations director and an engineering director at top tier one company. I worked there for 22 years. And I've been involved in a lot of organizations supporting them and the industry as a whole. Um, and one of them was CBM. I was the director at CBM for eight years and then I became president. And um, I'll just help the organisation on the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, I'm not involved every day, but I kind of support our, our CEO, Geraldine. Yep. And um, I kind of head up the lobbying. You know, so it, it's, um, it works well. We're a small team. We punch above our weight. Um, yep. But we, we, you know, we, we make an impact. And you, you say that the you know the 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 ability to lobby is so important for for the sector, isn't it? And, and your members, you know, having that sort of uh, that access to to government and being able to put uh, you know important topics forward from from the people on the on the ground actually doing this really important work. Yeah, we, we say that we're at the coalface uh, and we can relate to what's happening today. Um, we're not some kind of bureaucratic uh, organisation that deals on in, in infinite data. We look at what's actually happening today and relate yeah. it straight into government, whether it be civil servants or ministers. And it's something we've grown over the last couple of years, really. Um, and it works. You know, we, 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 we're kind of improving the service to the members, mm. in some cases dramatically. They appreciate it, especially what we've been through over the last few years. Yeah, uh, and it's working for us. So yeah, and we just got to keep pushing. It's, it's interesting the reaction of civil servants and ministers when you talk to them directly um, and bluntly as a brummie. 
yes. uh, in our gummy speak, if you like, it's quite it's quite interesting to see the reaction. Yeah. And, and in a positive way, I've got to say, not a negative way. Yeah. Which is probably what you wouldn't get from other people uh, outside this area, especially yeah. downtown. So how important is metal forming then to the, to the UK economy as, as a whole? How would you describe that? Um, I could blind you figures here, but uh, let's just say that every single day someone uses something to do with metal. Yeah. Now, you might not buy a metal product every day, but every day, you know, we are using metal products. Uh, and that will be your car, your kitchen utensils, your garden, you know, where you're getting applied to go somewhere. Every The computer we're using now has got metal components in. You know, so our economy is, is, is central to that. And I, I do say that, you know, and I, I did say this on a, on a recent interview, that, you know, the government need to realise how important manufacturing and metal manufacturing is to this economy because when we are thriving they're interested and when we're not doing so well they walk away from us well we've got problems now you know and we need really them to be consistent and have a consistent approach to supporting metal forming in the economy yeah and that stuff is still making all the way through yeah so the, the CBM provides a, a, a wide range of, of services for its members. Can, can you just give a brief overview of, of what the CBM does and, and what type of businesses it supports, Stephen? Yeah, so we represent 200 companies uh, yeah. across the UK, including Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales. Um, they manufacture in all forms of metal forming. So we're talking sheet metal, which is press work, metal bashing, as you said to earlier forging, fastening, cold rail section. Um, so we cover every aspect of metal forming. Um, probably represent 40,000 employees in the organisations and 4 billion turnover. So we've got some big tier one companies in there. Uh, and we go from companies with thousands of employees there to companies with you know 10 or 11 people. Yeah. So it's a wide, wide, wide scope. Um, I think we should mention, as it's International Women's Day earlier this week, that Geraldine, our CEO, has been with the organisation for 40 years, and she's been the CEO for 10 years, so quite proud of that CBM that we've got a female leading us. Um, Absolutely. And we should see that in more organisations. We've got PAM at the CAS Federation, um, who does a great job, Julie at GTMA, but there's not enough people, enough women, in, I'll go to these meetings all over the country, and there's still... You know, not, not doing myself out of a job, but there's still too many middle-aged men in, in these meetings. And we have to change that. Yeah, Absolutely. for the future. And that's um, really good to hear that from from another from another man. You know, it's uh, you know, I've I've been to an event uh, this week. You know, Allied Engineering, Allied Women in Engineering uh, in in Birmingham. Uh, I know Make UK had a big uh, a big event on as well. That's and that's great. And you know, a lot of the the females within industry have been, you know supporting that and and giving us a real insight into you know what can be achieved through diversity uh not just the gender but diversity of thought as well is really important um but it really is I, th I think part of the problem is that us blokes don't talk about it and and big it up enough um, that's correct totally yeah correct. so what what are the support organizations does the cbm partner with then because you know i, I know you've got some other organizations that you know you sort of collaborate with on, on certain topics and events can you just give a, a bit of an insight into how that works and who those businesses yes. are so it's important that your networking is correct um we, we've got a strategy where we set up a networking strategy to make sure that we 
could be like a one-stop shop for our members. So I think the first part of that was really to grow the lobby inside. And we are on the affiliate board of Make UK. Um, we also sit on the Trade Association Council of CBI. We've been on the UK Metals Council since it started. Um, and then really the, the catapults, so the big AFRC in Scotland, AMRC in Sheffield, all these big catapults, WMG in the Midlands, we've got links with all of them and do work with all of them as well, which is important for the, if you like, the, the new technologies and the skills and training that yeah. people require. And then on a global basis, we are uh, members of EFI, which is the European Fastener Organisation, Euroforge, which is the European Forging, and Geraldine sits on both of them boards. Right. Okay. Um, and then and then we've got an international um, press work association called ICOSPA, which is made up of six countries from Germany, France, China, Japan and USA. And we could, we're currently presidents, uh, holding presidency of that organisation. So quite a wide range and spectrum we cover. So we, we've, we've had Brexit, Covid, the Suez Canal fiasco, supply chain disruption, rocketing metal and, and fuel prices and, and to compound all of that of course we've now got the the conflict in ukraine which is you know having a, a devastating effect on people's lives uh but also a negative impact on, on businesses around the globe so what what are your members asking for help with the most currently so i suppose um there's a as you can imagine a numerous request really um so really our, our focus is really on the policy and lobbying side because uh, a lot of the things we need need to go to government. Yeah. Um, so energy is the biggest one, I'd say now. I mean, we've got, we've got another issue we'll come to, but energy is probably, was a problem before Ukraine and now it's a bigger problem. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I believe the government needs to step in for industry, I'm mean, doing the stuff for, for the home home market, which I understand, but industry needs help, uh, and it, we can't go on the way we're going to go on because you know we've got some really high intensity users. Yes, uh, we don't get any support, especially in the forging sector. But I say to the government when I speak to them, it's all relative. You know, it, because someone only turns over you know a few hundred thousand, the, the proportion of their bill is still the same as someone that turns over millions. Yeah, so, so proportionally, it needs structured all the way through. Um, yeah. But we have got some really high intensive use, especially in the forging sector, yeah. where their bills have gone, you know, from 800,000 to 10 million. And that's no exaggeration, you know, yeah. so it's frightening where it's gone to. Yeah. And how do they get through that? So that, that's probably the first one. Cash flow is obviously a problem. We did a lot of work on trade credit insurance, which no one really grasped at the time and we kind of took a lead on it and we managed with the CBI to get some good work done and we got the trade credit insurance under underwritten by the government while we're providing case studies into that. Okay. I'm worried where that's going to go because cash flow is tight anyway if trade credit starts to be taken away, which I think it will be, because of the concerns globally, then people will suffer in cash flow. So that's really, really important. Uh, and we have put a submission into HMRC on this, but that was pre-Ukraine. Um, so that's a worry because that cash flow will account for more companies going to insolvency than anything else. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really important. And then we've got still safeguarding, which is another issue which impinges on some of our members, and it's a Brexit issue. Um, 
So forget the politics of Brexit. This is this is a self-inflicted wound, in, in my opinion. Um, this is causing some real hardship to, to quite a number of our members and, and people outside our members. We've actually got people who aren't members of ours contacting us for help. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's really important that we get that sorted out as well. So what what is, just for the benefit of the audience, I did a bit of uh, reading up on this myself uh, when I knew we'd be having this, this chat. What is steel safeguarding? I mean, I, I was reading up on things like anti-dumping and can you, can you explain for people that maybe aren't in, involved in metals, what is safeguarding and what's the purpose of it? How does it affect UK so, manufacturing? So safeguarding really came about, um, and I'm not, I'm not an expert in terms of history, but it came about because of tar the tariffs that Trump brought in on 232 so Trump brought in and the EU kind of retaliated correctly so. And also we want to protect ourselves from, from markets like China. There's a difference between anti-dumping and still safeguarding. Anti-dumping is not still safeguarding. Anti-dumping is, is what it is. It just stops China or, t or other countries loading our market still. There is a slight crossover, but there are different things. So when we left the EU, the, the government carried over the EU um, protocols in terms of safeguarding. There was a, an independent... Uh, review by what it was called trade down with trade remedies inspector doctorate which then become the tra uk still quite correctly wants to protect uk steel manufacturing and i'm with that and i actually agree with it but there needs to be a balance so um they put their proposals forward one particular on cat 12 tra recommended that it should be uh, not have safeguarding and then liz trust overruled it uh, that means now that we have members paying tariffs on important steel that isn't currently made in the UK. The Liberty have the ability to make um, some engineering steel, but unfortunately, where they are at the moment, they can't. Hopefully, yeah. they'll get back to where they can be. So we need to have a balance um, where UK steel is protected, but the downstream, downstream users are protected. Now, we've worked with UK steel, and they've given us some help and some support getting so far. But a proposal we put in place hasn't quite worked because the mm. HMR, HMRC's interpretation of how they regulate the, the alloy in the steel isn't quite the same as it was before. So we've still got work to do, but this is actually threatening seven or eight of our members. This is not, not just profit, I'm talking going out of business. So we've got more work to do there, but it, it's a direct UK tax on, on UK companies, which wasn't there before yeah. because coming out of the EU. So it's quite a complex subject. I hope I've explained it what well, people can understand the, the, the gist of it at least. Yeah, um, absolutely. Work to be done. Yeah. Frightening really. Thanks for for putting some some explanation around around safeguarding. Let's move on to reshoring. You know, it's a big, big topic at the moment. And I have to say, it, it's really encouraging that, and I suppose, yeah, COVID has, has been a, you know, a big driver in more businesses adopting reshoring. You know, it's been spoken about for, for years, ever since I've been involved in recruitment and manufacturing, it was over 20 years, you know, people have been saying, oh, it'll be great to, to bring more manufacturing back to the UK. It was almost sort of like a bit of a pipe dream, but, you know, not a lot of people truly believed in it that it that it would happen well it is starting to happen it, it you know and it, i think it's building momentum as well what's the cbm doing to to help maximize opportunities how, how can you sort of help your members we've always supported reassuring i think the word i use is exasperated i mean i just can't believe that we haven't got more traction on reassuring given the events of the last few years and, and i take your point that it has started to move in the right direction um but not quickly enough. Yeah. 
and while we're in the midst of um, COVID and Brexit, we had a major OEM resourcing work to China. So, you know, if we were reassuring seriously, would we still be doing that? You know, so that isn't right. And the message hasn't been got across, you know, and again, now with the Ukraine situation, you know, we've got JLR plants at Howard affected. Um, We've already seen the mini plants affected. Mm. All this is because stuff is, products are made, you know, in Eastern Europe and it's impacting on the supply chain. Yeah. And sometimes that supply chain isn't the first tier supplier, it's second and third tier supplier. And, And sometimes the end user doesn't even know where the supply chain is. So that's frightening, really. Yeah. And I think, you know, hopefully there'll be a rebalance um, where we can get more and more reassuring back into the UK. And, and the other thing to say is that, you know, we've got members who are very competitive, who are working in global markets, in forging, in metal stampings, who are proving that the UK can be competitive in the global market, can produce parts, the right quality and the right standard and, and productively, so, yeah, there's nothing there to stop us being competitive. Yeah. And given a fair chance, I think, you know, we could move things forward. Um, and I don't think we always get a fair hearing in terms of that. But we are yeah. capable of doing it. Well, let's hope the, the, the pace picks up, you know, in, in, the, in the short term. I know it's something that, you know, a lot of businesses are looking at, but we, we just need action, don't we? Rishi Sunak introduced the, the super deduction tax incentive in, in March 21, uh, and that was to encourage firms to invest in, in productivity enhancing plant and machinery, as we know, and assets that, that will help those businesses grow. So how successful has this scheme been so far from what you've seen? And, and what has the rate of uptake been for, for CBM members? I, I think it's a good initiative. Uh, I think Primarily, I'd say extend it and make sure you do extend it. And the reason why I say that is because, one, we need all the help we can get. Mm. Uh, Two, the uptake would have been more, but people are nervous. If you've got a certain amount of headroom in your business and you've got uncertainty, would you go out and buy new machinery? We've got people with strong order books and new orders who could possibly go that route, but there's not that many. You know, not at this stage. So what I'm seeing is, yes, it's good. Yes, we'd love to, but I need to keep a bit of money around me just in case. And that's one company in particular has got safeguarding issues. So they're getting hit by this tax on the quotas. So they, they don't want to do it. But I've got numerous examples where people think it's good, but just a bit nervous at the moment. So that's yeah. why I think it should be extended. Um, and we should be able to, to really benefit in the long term i suppose it goes back to the you know the, the point you made earlier about cash flow it is you know yeah. you've got to keep cash in the business and I, I know there's you know different forms of financing arrangements for for capital equipment but it's uh it is a balance isn't it it's with like you say with the uncertainty you can take a, a calculated risk but i guess a lot of people are a lot of businesses are you know fearful of of even taking a calculated risk at this point it's this almost like the great unknown what's going to hit us next so what what does the future of, of metal forming look like in in the uk as as, as a whole Stephen? great question great question uh i'm going to say positive uh because i want to be positive i think it's easy to get dragged into all the negative things around us and and there are challenges you know and one of our members said to us we were like a crutch for them to lean on to get through the, through the issues i've had 
Mm. And I think we're still a crutch. I think we still need to be a crutch uh, and support them. But under underlying the issues we've got, the things are out of the company's control. The problems they're getting aren't of their making. A good company can still be affected affected by these these problems. I'm doing nothing wrong. Um, you know, a bad company will always be a bad company unless I can do a turnaround. So, so I think there's some really positive signs that if we get through this, we can really take off. Yeah. Um, and I think the government needs to understand that and they need to be in place to support it. You know, and and I think there's not enough of that, not enough understanding about how good we can be to support UK GDP. You know, and that that, that starts to steel makers, it starts and it comes there all down the supply chain. Yeah. All the way through to, to all our different sectors of manufacturing, and not just CBM members. You know, there's there's plenty of other you know, metal forming um, companies around the UK that you know we, they can do well. You know, but I, I really think it, it, we can come out of this and, and do well. But we just need this help to get through these these problems we've got now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, there's there's a question that I hadn't um, I hadn't didn't have on my list to ask you this morning, but I think whilst we're on the topic, I'll I'll throw it in there anyway. I've been following and and sort of helping the campaign and the movement for a petition for a minister for manufacturing, which was launched by Andrea Wilson at Honol Precision um, last year. What what's your personal thoughts on on that i mean i you know i'm picking up that a lot of smes feel that they don't get heard in in westminster and the trade organizations you know like yourselves and lots of the other trade bodies are doing a fantastic job for their members but there seems to be a a, a sort of a notion where you know uk manufacturing particularly with smes need a little bit more of a joined up approach i think it's a great idea what 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 are your thoughts do we need a minister for for manufacturing uh, yes, I actually signed a petition. I thought it was a good initiative. Um, Kwasi Kwarteng, the business secretary, is good. Um, he's got a handle yeah. on manufacturing. Uh, I've, I've met him. I've wrote to him a couple of times and, and had quite prompt responses, which isn't always the case with ministers. Mm. Um, he, he supported manufacturing. My concern is that he's pincered by Richie Sunak, from Manchester Treasury, yep. who hold the purse strings. And also there's been a bit of a diversification into levelling up where Michael Gove has got a foot in, into the into the base camp, if you want to phrase yeah. it that one. I think a Minister for Manufacturing is absolutely key. Um, we need an industrial strategy that's in place and agreed by all parties so it doesn't change from one party to the next. Yeah. That can take us forward and be sustainable and supported by whoever's in charge of the, of the government, whether it be, whether party it would be. Um, we can't have this chopping and change and throwing it away and starting yeah. again. It's just so destructive. Uh, and I, I'd urge all those companies who aren't members of trade associations to look at joining one. And not just CBM, you know, look around and look, you know, because I think you need a voice. You, know, yeah. you need a voice out there. A good trade, trade association will give you that voice. And it's probably stronger than a single voice. Because yeah. a single voice doesn't really get heard, and, and sometimes we struggle to get heard, um, but we're persistent, and when we use the CBI Make UK because they're, they're part of the B five, so direct yeah. access to ministers, so it's a two way thing. But it's really important that we have a complete structure, a manufacturing strategy, and you know, Ted Danker or Steve Phipson will say exactly the same thing. There's a strategy, yeah. things put in place. Um, so you know, it's really important. 
uh, I'd say critical, in fact. Well, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts on that. It's, uh, it, it is key. So in terms of the CBM uh, plans for the rest of this year, do you have any exciting news or any, anything up your sleeve about any events or, I don't know, new service launches for your members? What's on the agenda for the rest of the year? Yeah, we've got a lot going on, actually. We, <laughs> I think, first and foremost, obviously, I've, we've got to sort of try and help our members through this. Uh, the lobbying will continue strongly, um, both on energy and safeguarding. Uh, we've yeah. got to really push that through. Looking forward, we're just about to, we're just starting work on a net zero road, roadmap for metal forming. So there's, there's kind of roadmaps out there that people have already started. And I know kind of people are saying, forget that's here enough for now, there's too many problems, but we still think that we need to have a, a basis in place and a platform to move that forward when, it, when we're ready. So we'll probably start benchmarking net zero for metal forming companies and then build a plan from there. And when people are ready to go, we, we, we've got something in place. Yep. Um, we're just about to um, launch an enhanced HR offering so our members can access HR and, and legal services. So that, that, that's something we're quite happy with because I think it was a, a, like a, a string to our yep. bow that was missing. We're doing a lot of work on training. So we actually have just launched what you call it, well, we just done a trailblazer for tool design, yep. um, which is something our members identified they needed. So we've actually got that approved now. Um, and we're actually in the process of getting a, a degree course written. So we've got this purpose-built tool design platform in place for people to be trained up and keep skills in the industry. And mm. from that, we've developed also a level three tool-making trailblazer. So trailblazer, we've been a group of companies together to develop um, a program for training tool makers in the future and anyone in metal form would say yeah look, we need tool makers uh, and we need to train the young people or yeah other people who want to come in to be a tool maker at a later age and yeah. we need to have the platform in place and we're doing the same for coal forging um in the in the in the fastening sector so it's quite exciting that so looking forward for skills and enhancing skills and then uh, as part of our uh, presidency of our cosper we've got a, an international congress in the Birmingham uh, in October, uh, okay. so got people come from all over the world in terms of the, the companies that Constant mentioned earlier, um, and it's a metal forming congress, and it's we're going to have some uh, top speakers there, uh, and some top companies there um, in Birmingham uh, promoting metal forming. So we're quite looking forward to that as well. Good. I, I suppose that'll be a good opportunity for for businesses to uh, you know benchmark and and discuss best practice and where they're making gains and, uh, and and getting some wins, really. So it's, it's good to have that knowledge sharing. Certainly is. I, mean, I think what we're trying to do is look at what's coming up, the future, uh, and the skills required for the future, and also some of the technical, technical ability and skills needed in terms of, you know, not just people, but also machinery and processes. So yeah. it's an interesting time. And, and, you know, as we move to EV, there's some more challenges uh, that are, becoming visible yeah. uh, especially now we obviously what's happening in Russia with all the, the, the materials that they supply into the global market that have been impacted so you know it's, it's a challenging time in terms of EV as well which obviously yeah. has been the biggest growth in the last 12 months in terms of vehicle sales so really busy times <laughs> we're ready in March 
So uh, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your, your time today, Stephen. That, that pretty much wraps up today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Thanks again to, to Stephen Morley. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time. Bye-bye.